This episode of Earl Grey is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 180,000 titles for smartphone, tablet, and desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice and help Trek FM at the same time, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And also by Enterprise in Space, an international program of the nonprofit National Space Society. Find out how you can help science and education and become a virtual crew member aboard the NSS Enterprise Orbiter by visiting enterpriseinspace.org. Hi, this is Kwai Kusatsu. I play Admiral Nakamura on Star Trek Next Generation, and welcome you all to Trek FM. Theo Greyheart. Welcome, listeners, to another cup of Earl Grey, Trek FM's dedicated podcast to the next generation. I'm your host, Amy Nelson. I'm back from my little vacation, and I have with me the. Is he ever jovial, no, Joe Keegan? No, never. Never no. jovial. I'm officially over everything. Officially. Like, bye, Felicia. Yeah. The weather update for listeners who have been listening um, is ridiculous. We First, we had Storm Cara two weeks ago, and then we had Storm Dennis last weekend. And he's Dennis has been here for, like, a week and a half now. Um and it's been miserable. I have to. I live on the coast, so it's more windy and more wet than anywhere else, and have to walk the dogs. So it's just not fun, and I don't feel well. I've got the head cold or something, and I feel miserable. So that and Picard is like I stopped watching episode five because I got bored. So yeah. Oh dear. <clears throat> Listeners, we need to send all of our love to Joe this week. Oh dear. I know. Um, well, Justin isn't here, but we do have a guest, which we will introduce in a little bit. Yes. Justin's off. We do. I'm excited. We're just sort of rotating through because I'm going to be gone for the next two weeks. Are you? Again? Another... Yeah, I'm going on the Star Trek cruise. Woohoo! Sounds rubbish. And maybe like, maybe like that cruise ship that's... Um, everybody's been quarantined on because of the coronavirus. You might end up with that. No, I'm not even worried about it. No way. I've, nope. I've like surrounded myself in null space and everything's going to be negative and I'm just going to suck the life out of things. It'll be like the the that whatever the thing was in the never-ending story. Oh, yeah. Remember, and it just like destroyed everything. I'm like Daj or Soji, no. the destroyer. Oh my gosh, Joe. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, maybe if we read an iTunes review, you might feel a little better. We got five stars and three hearts from Trekkie Jim on Apple Podcasts, and it was left February 3rd. And he writes, Earl Grey has to be my favorite Trek FM podcast. Amy and Justin are a great team. So perfect together. This podcast is the reason I started to enjoy TNG again. 
Thank you for all of your dedication to making a great podcast. Well, thank you, Tricky Jim. I'm so glad that you started enjoying TNG again. It's, you know, you get that way when you listen to podcasts and you get more excited. You get reinvigorated. Yeah, thanks, Tricky Jim. I don't know why you're only giving us three hearts, though. It just seems a bit mean-spirited. Um, and yeah, Amy and Justin are a great team. Thanks for that. <laughs> oh, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, I'm just, I'm just kidding, Tricky Jim. Thanks for your comment. It's very kind of you. And I'm glad you're enjoying Earl Grey. Yeah. Now, Joe, you got a very specialized email. I did get a very specialized email, yes. So I got an email from David Kokal. Um, who turns out as an artist. And I'll read the email. He says, Hello, Joe. This is David from the United States. I enjoy your work with Amy and Justin on the Earl Grey podcast. The chemistry and humour you share with your co-hosts is always a treat. I'm an artist and drew a piece of fan art featuring a caricature of you ab aboard the starship USS Glasgow, naturally. However, just as I'm about to scan it, my scanner went down I am, and I am getting it serviced with a promise to have it back on Tuesday. As a preview, I have attached a snapshot of the drawing taken with my camera phone. The quality isn't as good, but it will act as a preview until I can get a crisp, high-quality digital scan of it to you. It's a small token of thanks for many hours of wonderful podcasting entertainment. I hope you like it. Regards, David. I will post this image on the Babel Conference for listeners to see, but it's it's just so lovely. Amy, I sent it to you. It's kind of some kind of next-gen styled starship called the USS Glasgow, and there's a wee hatch where the bridge is, and I've popped out the hatch, and I'm giving the, the Vulcan salute, and it actually looks like me, weirdly. It's like an uncanny I know an, it does. It's so good. Uh -huh. Um, I love it. It's just so thoughtful. It's the nicest yeah, thing. Yeah, so when you get that high-quality scan, you'll have to get that printed and framed. I think I might just have to. He has sent the high-quality version, um, and it's, it's a pencil drawing, but it's just really cool. I love it a bit. Yeah, it is. So thank you, David. Well, we did get another email from Christian Jewell, and he writes, Hello there, friends. Here's a little commentary from several recent episodes lost in the Nexus. I like that you all share your iTunes reviews and your Babel feedback on the podcast. I like to know what people are enjoying and how they responded to the episode. I also like that you share it in the beginning of the episode. By the end, most of the time, I'm feeling all my feels from the discussion, and it's nice to be able to end it with my thoughts on today's topic. Amy and Joe, you are right. Roga Danar was hot. I've always thought so. He's like top five TNG guests in my view. Data had one of the most badass moments at the end of the most toys. This episode was never one that I would go back to as a younger person, but on my most recent rewatch, I was taken aback at the emotion the crew felt losing him and the way it's left to the viewer to figure out his intentions. Very timely to discuss this episode so close to the data episode. I think that's all my musings for now. LLAP friends. Aww. Well, Christian, thank you so much for your email. We love getting them. Christian, thank you. Miss you. Well, today we are going to discuss, surprisingly enough, an original series, Balance of Terror, and a TNG, The Neutral Zone. Now, we have 
The reason why we're doing this is because we have our special guest, Tim Robertson. He is host of Observer's Notebook, which is a podcast about lunar and planetary observations. He is also associate producer of Standard Orbit and my wonderful good friend, Tim Robertson. Thank you for coming back to Earl Grey. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, so you are a lovely fan of the original series. And so when we invite you to Earl Grey, sort of a little (laughs) bit of a stretch, but you wanted to talk the original series. I did. And I thought that uh, with what's going on with Picard, with the Romulans, that would be a good idea to find out where the Romulans came from. And the first episode that the Romulans were in of Star Trek was The Balance of Terror. Yes, it was. And the first episode in the next gen was The Neutral Zone. Correct. Yeah. So that's going to be a lot of fun to chat about those two episodes. Yeah. I uh, watched both of them back to back and really enjoyed analyzing these episodes together and really gave me a new appreciation for the original series. I really enjoyed Balance of Terror. So uh, Yeah, it's seen as one of the best episodes of Star mm. Trek. So it's... And there's a lot of similarities between the two episodes, too, um, except for the Frozen people. I mean, I know. Could have done with that st- without that storyline. I like the Frozen people. Do you? Wow. I'm going to be honest. When I watched it, I fast forward through all the Frozen people stuff. Oh, no, I like them. It feels like I just imagine myself in that situation. If I got frozen and woken up 400 years in the future. Yeah, there's some good stuff there, but they really annoy me. And I'm sure that was part of it. It's like, you know, us 20th century are so annoying and we're not as evolved. I'm sure it was, you know, played that way, but. Well, they are just a bunch of stereotypes for the most part, aren't they? Yeah. Um, Yeah. So, yeah, there is that. Well, listeners, we are going to recap. So, Tim, why don't you give us a recap of Balance of Terror? And then, Joe, you recap the neutral zone so listeners are a little bit more refreshed on these two episodes. Cool. Will do. The USS Enterprise embarks on a fateful seek-and-destroy mission following a series of unprovoked attacks of Federation outposts near the neutral zone by a flagship of an enemy power. They didn't know who it was. Complicating the matter for Kirk is that the Romulans have an uncanny resemblance to Vulcans. The captain must now deal with issues of prejudice when one of his bridge officers suspects that Spock might be having split interests. Ooh. uh. Ooh. All right, Joe, the neutral zone. What's that one about? Um... Okay, so... Besides frozen people. <laughs> well, yeah, there's some frozen people, and then there's some Romulans, and yeah, it's quite good. I like it. So, the Enterprise is... The Enterprise finds this old space probe, and the data goes on board, and they find some cryostasis units, and they bring aboard some of the units because they're failing, and then they defrost the people on board, and they're all from the 20th century. Um, so that's kind of, it starts out, that's the A storyline, but then it becomes kind of the B storyline because the major part of the episode, and it's interesting that big events of the episode only really happen in the last 15 minutes, i.e. the Romulans, and we've not seen the Romulans in many years, and they're still still shrouded in a cloak of secrecy, and we see this new Dideridex class Romulan warbird, and tensions are very high. So, Yeah. Very good. All right. Well, I wanted to ask, 
So watching these two episodes back to back, what did you notice that you wouldn't have? Like what were some of the similarities and or differences? Tim, let's start with you. Uh, well, the similarities uh, that it's I look at the, uh, the Bounds of Terror. There's so much from that one episode that carried on to Star Trek even today, obviously. And just a discussion of the neutral zone. I mean, that that originated from the Vietnam War, the, the term neutral zone. Because the demilitarized zone we had then, it was a section between North and South Vietnam where troops from North Vietnam would come across and see how strong our defenses were, which is basically what the Romulans are doing in both episodes. They want to see you know, how much power the uh, Federation does have. And I like the hats, too, the hats, the hats that the Romulans wore. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. Okay, so I saw those and I just had... <laughs> to go on memory alpha and it was stating that those hats were created to save costs so that they didn't have to do the prosthetics for the ears and so they just covered pretty much their entire head and i texted you guys and i was like oh my gosh these hats are ridiculous <laughs> mm, i didn't know that that's interesting yeah yeah they they didn't have enough ears to go around yeah was the 60s yeah, and also so yeah, it was. It was. And also, I liked having Mark Leonard in there as well as uh, oh, yeah. the Romulan he, commander. He was amazing, yeah. Yeah, he was. It's really interesting, this episode, that um, it, the Earth, the stations along the neutral zone on the Federation side are called Earth Outposts. Um, the Federation was never mentioned until later on in TOS. So there wasn't a thing the Federation wasn't a thing. Gene Waddenbury hadn't come up with it um, at this point, and so it wasn't mentioned. So basically, I think at this point we're working on the premise that Earth has just become this interstellar kind of organization, and we've colonized a bunch of places. So it was interesting that they're called Earth outposts, and they're all on asteroids too. So that's they they weren't space stations; they were asteroids along the neutral zone. Uh, okay. I missed that point. So it was interesting that in both series, like they hadn't had any contact with the Romulans for so long, like until the treaty. So in TOS, you know, there was this treaty treaty from the Romulan War, which I think was uh, 2164, I think was the end of the war. And uh, then in the neutral zone, like they hadn't heard of the Romulans for 53 years. So it's sort of the same amount of time that they hadn't seen the Romulans. And like you mentioned, they were trying to test and see what the other one had. And so it was very interesting to see how similar that the crews of the Enterprise reacted and their response and what they knew about Romulans, I mean, was just the same you know, in both time periods. So that was pretty interesting how similar that these storylines were about the Romulans. Like, we don't know. Everything's based on rumor. Uh, you know, we don't know what type of weapons they have. Um, so it was, it was interesting to compare and see that. Yeah, and Balance of Terror, they didn't even know what they looked like, which was, yeah. which was a major plot point with the racism that came out during the episode, which you also had in the neutral zone. Yeah. So it was interesting what we learned about the Romulans from the original series. Like 
didn't know their weapons. All they knew was that there was enormous power and a high energy plasma and that they were superior weapons than what the Enterprise had. I really like the scene in Balance of Terror where they were sort of outrunning the weapon and then it dissipated and whew, you know, they weren't hit because it was so strong. I loved that point in uh, Balance of Terror. Oh, no, it was interesting. Spock mentions that there's a suggestion that the Romulans are related to the Vulcans. They're like distant ancestors, which obviously turns out to be true. Um, but it's just interesting to point out the fact that they've not seen these guys, so they don't really, everything is rumour. They don't know what they look like. And even the treaty that created the neutral zone, it was just transmitted via subspace. There was no kind of round table discussions. It was all just done without anybody ever meeting, which I thought was quite... Yeah, I found it interesting too when, when Spock was talking about that and they were having a discussion whether they should attack or not. And Spock said, well, if they are relatives to us, then the best thing would be would be to attack. And I immediately thought of Discovery and the, the Vulcan, the Vulcan Holo. Yeah, of course, of course. You know, it's, it's just like, that's what, that's what the you know, Sarek told Michael. This is how we say hello. That's probably the genesis. Yeah. Oh, I didn't even think about that. That's probably the genesis right of that it, yeah. idea that the Vulcans fired first because they knew that was right. the way, it's kind of the most logical yeah. way to win a, a confrontation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I thought the, the balance of terror was slightly more racist than the neutral zone. Like obviously, they got the guy at um, what's he at navigation? Is he a navigation? Styles, styles, styles. Yeah, um, he's just outwardly racist against them because his family, his ancestors were caught up in the Romulan War, and he blames well, the Romulans for losing. So was Worf, though. <clears throat> yeah, but it, maybe it's because he's human. It's more able, you're more able to identify with the racism. Does that sound right? Possibly than Worf is just always angry at everything. Isn't <laughs> he wants to blow everything up. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's interesting that Styles and Worf both had, you know, family, you know, killed by the Romulans. And definitely when Styles, like it's consistent throughout the episode, and you're just like, oh my gosh. And Kirk does a really good job and like, you know, slow your row, hold on, let's just take a moment. And, you know, Styles is going so far as say there is a Romulan spy on board and yeah, accuses Spock of all people, you know, just because they look alike, like that blatant racism is definitely there in Balance of Terror. Uh, but with I think you're right, Joe, with uh, the neutral zone and Worf says, yeah, well, my family, you know, my father was killed at Kittimer because of Romulans. And, you know, I put down the quote, these are Romulans. They are without honor, you know. And so he has that line, but it's not as consistent as it was in Balance of Terror, but mm -hmm. still very present. Right. I, and Balance of Terror, I enjoyed seeing, it's, it's the only time we've ever seen it, but the ship's wep weaponry is like a submarine. You know, they, they have a torpedo bay, they have the phaser, well, they don't have photon to torpedoes in this episode, but they had to call down to the phaser room to prep the phasers and charge the phasers. And it was, that was an interesting little thing that we saw. You know, that's interesting you bring that up because when I was watching it, it made me think of Hunt for Red October. 
and, uh, you know, that great submarine movie. And my brother was saying, well, it reminded him of Periscope Down. And so when I looked on Memory Alpha, they were saying that this plot and storyline was because of two movies, uh, submarine movies, The Enemy Below and Run Silent, Run Deep. I myself haven't seen those movies, but they those were the movies that inspired this storyline. Oh, yeah. And like when they didn't want to make a noise inside the Enterprise for fear of setting off. I don't know what kind of waves would travel across space like that. But, you know, that was kind of interesting, too. That was all submarine thought right there. Mm. Yeah. And it's kind of it reminded me of the battle scenes in Nemesis. I know they haven't happened yet in the timeline. That's a movie. It's a very good movie, Tim. Okay. I don't believe I've seen it. Um, you should. It's amazing. It's the it really? best movie ever, yeah, according to Amy. It's Star Wars or? Yeah, it's Stop. Star something. Um, like, I think John Baird, uh, when he was film of think, conceiving those battle scenes, he was thinking these are big kind of battleships. So you want to have them behave like battleships would and there's lots of kind of stealth involved and they kind of move slowly and lumber about space so that kind of reminded me of that and um, the way submarines would move as well can we talk about the wee the wedding oh, was that yes. wedding that was the b storyline wasn't it and you just knew yeah if they had a b story yeah, it was just for yeah. balance of terror yeah, yeah. The, and then get married what but what is with the the rectangle of white light that always sh shines on Kirk's face. Oh, yeah. What that's is that? That's his eye. Yeah, they, I they, know. They, they highlight his eyes. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> it's, that's like, the lighting. That's what they always do. It's just like... Yeah, it's really... It's very, yeah, evident in season one. It sort yeah. of goes away, but yeah, that first season when you're watching, it's like, how are they getting just this band of light across his eyes? It's so funny. Yeah. It's, Spock has it when he looks into his box, but that's because but that's, of the box. Yeah, right? <laughs> that makes sense. Um, it's like yeah. the optical, it's like the lighting of, um, version of highlighting makeup and contouring your face, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it sort of is the lens flares, yeah. <laughs> if you will. Mm. <laughs> and they do the same if, if you're a, um, like all the pretty women that were in TOS, mm -hmm. they would so the soft, soft focus. focus. Yes. Yeah. 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 It's like it makes them so much prettier. Them out. No, so you mentioned uh the wedding, the wedding scene in Balance of Terror, and those same lines were used uh in Data's Day when Picard was marrying Keiko. Keiko, yeah. Ah. What line? Yeah, I learned that. Very cool. So yeah, another that. connection. What line was it? Oh, the, you know, we're gathered here today. I don't, but those lines were used uh, in TNG. Captain's duty, one of his. Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. Interesting. I didn't know that. Master of the That's cool. Yeah. Very cool. We had a 47 reference too. Oh, Master. we did? In Balance of Terror. Yeah. Kurt said that the Enterprise has been waiting motionless for nine hours, 47 minutes. Oh, there you go. Wow. <laughs> and here we thought Joe Minoski started that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, let's get the wedding back to the wedding again. Um, she didn't even get dressed up for getting married. She was just in her normal uniform. I know. I found that very weird. That's Who's going to get married in their uniform? 
it's fine if it was a, a dress uniform. If you're in the military, then you might wear your dress uniform for getting married. But it just seemed a bit. Oh, she had some like candy floss, a little veil, yeah, in her hair or something. It wasn't yeah. even a just veil. a special little hat. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't even a hat. It was like cotton candy or something. Just lumps of like toilet paper or stuck in her hair. <laughs> It was 66. They didn't have much of a budget. And true, no budget. Just go to craft services and grab some napkins and stuff them in there. Hmm. <laughs> Do you know what? It worked. Yeah. The nacelles were made of toilet roll tubes, probably. So it's fine. We all love it. So I really liked um, in the Balance of Terror, like the strategies that they were trying to use. And it just really made me think of Sun Tzu and, you know, the strategies of war, because especially in balance of terror, where it's, they were like studying the enemy and both, and it really came through on the Romulan side, like Mark Leonard's character. And he's like, okay, we need to study your enemy. And he totally understands like the power that there is and that chain of command, especially when uh, the one guy dies. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He definitely knows the losses of war and like what the consequences are. And again, this is just all these strategies of war. And he is learning about Kirk through his actions on what, how Kirk moves the ship and how he's this, you know, echo or the shadow, I think they said. And Kirk is doing the exact same thing. So I love seeing how they both use strategies of war and how they approach this scenario. Yeah, they were very similar to the way they captained. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting, the uh, actor that played Dias, the, like the third in command on the uh -huh. Romulan vessel, he was also he he and Leonard both obviously played Vulcans later. He was uh, he was Spock's uh, competitor in a mock time oh. as a Vulcan. So oh, like the ears, oh, he actually that's... got to wear the ears finally, and not the hat. <laughs> yes, yeah, but both Kirk and the Romulan commander, because th there's not a name for him yet. No, it's Romulan commander. Yep, Romulan commander, which I found interesting, yeah. and that also added to the intrigue and and solidified the fact that we don't know anything about these Romulans as just some commander. But, you know, they both were like, well, I won't underestimate him again. And he's doing what I would do. And I just love that back and forth between, you know, your chess moves in this game. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, I love, I love the introduction of the Romulans. I love where they took them in these two series. I really do. It just, it's, it's a lot of fun. And now to see him again, all these years later on Picard, are you, I was concerned because I did not like Romulans. <laughs> are you liking the way they're portrayed on Picard? Um, well, they're all over the they're all over the map. I mean, you have some that are nice, you know, the two of them mm. live with Picard, and yeah. But I'm, you know, yeah, they're an interesting race. They really are. Yeah, I'm liking. I think, I think overall, I'm liking the way they're portrayed in Picard because they're less monolithic. There's mm -hmm. Like like humans, there are infinite different types of humans. So there are infinite different types of Vulcans. Some with ridges, some without ridges. Some different hairstyles, different body sizes, different clothes options rather than the TNG yeah. style that we saw, where they all had their big giant um, shoulder pads on. So 
kind of liking that. Um, one thing I did notice the on the map of the neutral zone where it showed where Romulus was, the sister planet was called Rimai, mm-hmm. as opposed to Remus, yeah. which we now know it right. as. And I assume that one is like Remus is just singular then, and Rimai would be plural. It's just an interesting change yeah. in the names. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, but obviously Romulus and Remus are from Roman mythology. They right. were they were twins. They founded Rome. Yeah. The Romulans were based upon the Romans. Yeah, yes, it's, it's really obvious. Even see the the Romulan sub commander. I think he must be the guy with the grey hair. Mm-hmm. There's something very centurion. Kind of, yeah, there's something kind of Roman. This is kind of curly hair. The way it falls down his forehead. There's something very kind of Roman about that. Yeah, Caesar esque. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think that's yeah. what I saw Caesar in his look. Um, yeah. And the fact they have centurions and all taken from Roman mythology, which yeah. is cool. How about the ships, the, the warbirds? Oh, yes. So let's talk about the ships. And this is, again, just, I know, Tim, but TOS, <laughs> I saw this Romulan warbird and I'm like, are you kidding me? It's just this painted thing. And I had to it's laugh. It's a practical effect. Oh my gosh. I was like, are you kidding me with this? I couldn't get over it. I saw the ship and it just like took me right out of the, out of the episode. I had that model. You did? <laughs> I did. Well, what is that ship? It's not even like, how did they go from that ship to in TNG and we see the Romulan Warbird in all of its glory and this green multi-decked, war bird that looks like an actual bird how did they transform in a hundred years to go from that to this Bud- one word budget yeah <laughs> <laughs> like compare yeah. the original enterprise to the enterprise d there's just no yeah. comparison yeah the same basic design but yeah, yeah. Sales, I saw, no saw. the design was totally different for the romulans yeah, like was. I thought that in TOS, it had more of a defiant look, you know, just a, a saucer only type of thing. Okay. It, I like it. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, this is my TNG coming yeah, through. I, I, where it's I, like, I, I love the Romulans in TNG, their ships there, because it's. Pretty darn massive and impressive. And then I saw this TOS and I'm like, what is that? <laughs> I suppose, could you see a way to evolve the TOS Warbird? Or what's the difference between a TOS Warbird and a TOS Romulan Bird of Prey? It's a really good question. I don't think there is a difference. I think they just, I, no, I think they just changed the name. Yeah, okay. So I think there is a way to evolve one like the TOS version into the TNG version without too much, because the nacelles are still in the same place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I suppose you could just take a TOS, take two TOS warbirds, turn one upside down and put it on top of the other. And you've kind of that, got... That could be exactly what they did, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. there's that kind of... that would work. Kind of downward curve on it, isn't, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And then if you turn one upside down, it becomes an upward curve. And then you just put mm-hmm. the, the beak on the front. 
to make it the, yeah, the, the Derridex class, yeah. And you've already okay. got that little fin on the back, which becomes the tail of the mm -hmm. Derridex class. So I can see where they went with the evolution. But hands down, okay. the Derridex class ones is just a, a stunning looking ship, isn't it? Okay, so it was interesting in the neutral zone when uh, Picard asked Troy to, you know, sort of figure out what do we know about the Romulans. And I love her report, which I think is the exact same thing that we learned in Balance of Terror. We didn't really learn anything new because she was like, they are intensely curious, which I found interesting because that wasn't mentioned in the original series, but I think they're trying to, you know, add a little bit more to mm -hmm. the Romulans. And she says that they're fascinated with humans. Well, I don't know if that's really true. I guess they're fascinated to see how far we've come in the past, you know, 100 years. But she does say they will not initiate anything. They will wait for others to attack, that they are creatures of extremes uh, very violent and tender, and that everything is just based on rumor and conjecture. And so I just found that a little, adding a little bit more depth to their Romulan characters yeah. um, than what we know from Balance of Terror, where we just know, you know, that they, we've never seen each other and that they are attacking us in the neutral zone and that they're willing in both cases to go into the neutral zone and cross that, whereas we were not. So it's almost interesting why Troy would say they wouldn't initiate anything when in both of these, it is the Romulans crossing over the neutral zone. That's true. And and then Picard described them as counterpunchers. Although in um, the neutral zone, they came across the neutral zone because their colonies on their side had been attacked by what we now know as the Borg. Yes, yeah, so the, the Romulan colonies and Federation colonies had both been attacked um, by weapons way more powerful than anything either side had. So I think that prompts some kind of investigation by the Romulans. And I suppose they, they're thinking that they didn't act first because they think the Federation has attacked the colonies. Right. So they're go, they have to so go over the other That's why they came across to see where we were done. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, they definitely left that very open. I was surprised in the neutral zone, the TNG episode, like it wasn't really stated what happened to the outpost, just that we are to believe that no one attacked each other. But yet these outposts were destroyed, like two outposts on the Federation and then outposts on the Romulan side were destroyed and that neither one of them did that. And that they just sort of left it open. Yeah, that was in the neutral zone, yeah. 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 But Balance of Terror, it was obviously the Romulans that did it. Mm. Yes. Um, yeah, because you see the visual of the Romulan mm -hmm. um, warbird firing on the on the bay, on the asteroid base. Right. And then the guy, like, <laughs> dying horribly. <laughs> um, yeah. But we're not told specifically in TNG that it is the Borg. No, we're, we're not. I suppose we have to wait until best of both worlds, don't we? To see another colony being obliterated in the same way. Which is interesting because they were so okay with saying it was the Romulans in the original series. 
And here it's just sort of left open. So we're not going to blame the Romulans. Mm -hmm. Okay. Actually, it is the Borg, but we're never told specifically. Apparently because of the writer's strike at the time, the whoever, who was it? Um, some guy who wrote the episode wrote the script in a day and a half and it was supposed to be the introduction of the Borg and it was supposed to pit the Federation with the Romulans against the Borg. But they didn't get to that in the story. Yeah. Interesting. This is the first episode in which the Borg are mentioned. Um, or, I wouldn't say mentioned. Yeah, it says this in the um, continuity notes. That's the first episode in which the Borg are mentioned, although they are at this point only an, only an unknown and therefore unnamed entity which has been destroying star bases. So they're not mentioned as the Borg. Some unknown super powerful force has been destroying star bases. What do you think and how well do you think it's received and can we make a comparison to our lives about the stereotyping of Romulans that we see from Styles and from Worf in these episodes? Like, we know that Star Trek makes social commentaries, so how do you think it was received back in the 60s and back in the late 80s? Well, that's what Roddenberry did back on the original series. I mean, he, he took things that were happening in everyday life and threw the science fiction veil over it. And that's how this was accepted into, you know, in, into the world. I mean, he, he couldn't say demilitarized zone. Mm. He was not allowed. Censors would not allow him to use those words. He had to come up with something else. So he came up with a neutral zone. Wow. And, you know, it's, it's if, you're, if you're cognizant of, of, of the activities of the day, and you see this, yeah, it's obviously racism, just like, uh, you know, Private Little War was on Star Trek, too. It's just, it's, it's as, as for being how it was received, well, I was probably 10 years old at the time, so it didn't affect me that way either when I saw it on its first run. But you know, now seeing these episodes hundreds of times, yes, definitely, I can see the similarities and the, and the relationships. Well, and I think it just brings out a really important point that, just because some act this way, it's not good to treat all that way. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's very difficult to see intelligent people making remarks similar to that nowadays when it's like, wait, you can understand that just because a certain person or a certain group of people acted this way, you're not going to generalize all people that way. Or you look know? a certain way. Right. I mean, it, but it happens. I mean, you're on the internet right now. It's like, just scan through Facebook and you see it all over the place. Yeah, I think it's especially relevant nowadays. I don't know if it's because of the advent of social media that anybody and everybody, regardless of their opinions, can comment on things or be as mean as they want about things. There is a, a thread of something going through social media and what's on the mainstream media news. Um the way people are portrayed, we're all kind of, in a way, programmed to dislike immigrants in a way. We're told there's this constant information about how the negative impact on immigration, on society. Um, well, I don't think that's particularly helpful, especially in Scotland. We've got an aging population. We need kind of migration to the country um, to support 
and support the way we live. Um, but yeah, I don't know how many times that we're told that Muslims are terrorists or if there's a shooting somewhere and it's a, mm -hmm. a white guy with a gun, he's just a, a lone wolf, not a domestic yeah. terrorist. Mental health. Yes, exactly. Um, but if it's a, a Muslim suicide bomber, um, then he's a terrorist or they are a terrorist. Um, so definitely we're, we're fed information. And if we didn't think too deeply about it, we'd buy into it and think a certain way, which would make us racist. Um, True. So I think you really have to be very careful, which is why it's still Star Trek, no matter when mm -hmm. it's from or when it is, it's still going to resonate with us. Look at Brexit in the UK. Brexit was all about yeah. taking back control and controlling our borders and the instance of um, hate crimes against Muslims or people that weren't white um, spiked over the last few years, which is really sad, especially in 2020. Yeah, but you also, I mean, Amy, you mentioned that how it affected the people of that of that time. And I know my my beliefs, my morals coming back, I mean, 60 years later, I think a lot of them had to do with watching Star Trek. You know, it was I had I had Star Trek from the time I was nine years old to now and seeing how they dealt with moral dilemmas and, and economic things and all sorts. It's I know it's affected me because I mm -hmm. know my my view of the world is based upon Star Trek. It really is. I mean, it, it's it sound, might sound corny, but that's exactly how I feel. I mean, I have friends of mine who didn't watch Star Trek who think completely different and have racial issues and things like that. And I don't have a racial racist bone in my body. I mean, it's like, it's, and I don't understand it. And it's like when I watched, when I watched, um, uh, a private little war where the guy's half was face was half black and half white. I remember watching it with my father. Well, my father was a racist. I mean, he would use language around the house all the time that I, I was uncomfortable with. And I remember sitting there watching the show with him. I said, what do you see when you watch this? You know, he says, I see a guy with a half black, half white face. Like, okay, well, that's, but I, I couldn't speak to him like I could right now, you know. So it's, it's interesting. I know the show has affected me and how I look at it. And, and, you know, for everything Star Trek is, it's, it's a moral play. It really is. Yeah, I think it's affected me as well, especially in my teaching where, you know, going into, say, like a new school, if it's in a rough neighborhood and, you know, not generalizing all my students to be thugs, like, you know, and and having getting to know them individually instead of making these, you know, rash stereotypes of, oh, well, if this kid is misbehaving, then they must be coming from a bad home type of thing. Because teachers and society looks at that. Well, it's all the parents' fault. Well, sometimes, no, it's it's the actual kid. And they can be, you know, raised in a very loving and supporting family and still are going to be little snotheads. But, I mean, just that little micro, like, you know, being able to accept a person for who they are and judge them on their actions and not with all of the stereotypical, you know, society views that get so pushed on us. You know, if I'm, you know, when I came to Vegas, there is a huge Latino population and, 
you know, like you were saying, Joe, the immigration and all these illegals and the big push on, you know, kicking people out past years in the political arena, like, and not having that affect how I view my students and my parents, you know, who are sending their kids to my school and and trying to get educated. Like it's, it's very difficult. And to see so many others that just, well, you must be teaching at a difficult place and just the random comments that I get. And it's like, how do you survive? And how do you, no, I'm dealing. No, these are my kids. Don't say that about them. You don't know them, you know, and it, it gets very frustrating uh, from, I think, society and always having to battle. Just get to know the individual and take it from there. I think that's a really good point. I think you hit the nail on the head there, didn't you? Get to know that individual. Don't stereotype people. Um, like, talking from a, a teaching perspective as well, and the school I'm in currently is has a really bad reputation historically for, like, gang fights and just being from in a poor neighbourhood um, and being a, pupils being from a working-class background. But now, working in it, it's... The school's a new build, um, so there was money invested on new premises. Um, I think 99% of the, the kids in the school are just nice, respectful young people that want to get the best out of life. And there's that very small percentage of people that have um, other issues going on in their life which come out in bad behaviour. And it's how we don't treat them like they're little tyrants. They've got issues in their children, so we have to kind of be kind. So before moving to our final thoughts, I wanted to include a little math moment. Oh, I'm good at math. Oh, yes. Uh, And it's probably not going to be a typical one, viewers, that you would suspect. However, Uh, In my math class, the last unit I taught was logic and reasoning Mm. and how you have to have a premise and a conclusion to make an argument. And in the neutral zone, they were talking about, well, what should we do? Should we attack the Romulans? What are we going to do? And Data says, if the strategy is built on a single premise, the hostile intentions of the Romulans, if that is sound, so is the proposal. And so I really like that logical step and looking at the premise and conclusion and what are we going to do? Like that is all math. That is logic. If you remember from your math days, if you did truth tables, Mm -hmm. P and Q, P or Q, true, false, and if then statements, that is all in the realm. It's called discrete mathematics. And I love that. And I was going, I'm going to show uh, this little clip to my kids and say, look, here it is in Star Trek using logic. Very and good. yes. I thought there was Star going Trek to be a, your classroom. I thought there was going to be a, a question for us, like a problem solving question. No, I was getting all ready to answer it. Recognizing <laughs> that the math moment and logic and reasoning. Okay. Thanks for that moment. Yeah. Very good. But I do, I teach that reasoning to my kids. Hopefully they become more logical. Mm. 
That should help. Because we need more of that in the world too. Yes, we do. More kindness and more logic. All right. So final thoughts, guys, on these two episodes. I I love them. Uh, Like I said, Balance of Terror, I think, is one of the best Star Trek episodes there is. Plus, it gives us so much jumping off ground for where we are today with Star Trek, too. I mean, so many things we saw in that episode and the work talked about then are still relative in Picard and wherever else we're going. And uh, and the neutral zone, I, you know, without the frozen people, it was a really good episode. I really could have done without that plot, whole plot line. We didn't really talk about the frozen people. I really... No, we didn't. I like the, the woman. I think the woman's the only one you can really identify with. The other two are just like stereotypes, aren't they? There's the Mr. Offenhouse, or whatever his name is, who's the the capitalist banker that was really super wealthy and wanted to retain his but riches. But, you know, he, he played an important role when he came on the bridge and was, like, using, again, the strategies of war. It's like, well, he's lying and... You know, and sort of gave that intuition, mm. sort of took Troy's job there, um, of, you know, calling out the Romulans. And again, just recognizing that those power plays, whether it's in war, whether it's in finance, yeah. like it's all the same. Mm. That's interesting. Um, there was something about him. He reminded me of some bad guy financier from a Columbo episode or a Murder Shiro. <laughs> I think it's maybe around about the same time and the actors look the same way, not to stereotype actors of the time, but um, yeah, and then what's the other guy about? The, the oh, southern the, the guy. drunk. Oh yeah, yeah. What, what, what? Sonny Clemens or? Yeah, it's just everything oh. about him is a, like they had a big sheet of stereotypes and they just ticked them off yep. one by one, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, the one thing with the lady, <laughs> I'm sorry, but when Troy finds, oh, I found this name. Oh, that was my son's name. Excuse me, 300 years later, and it's going to be the exact same first and last name? No, and I he, that he, took and me he, right out of the episode. And he looks like her husband? Yeah, like, <laughs> no way. This isn't cloning, is it? <laughs> Yeah, Joe, that wouldn't happen. There's going to be too much variety and too much name changing and not look alike. Like you're not going to have someone 400 years later that looks just like you, Joe. I don't know. I'm sure I could look 400 years in the past and find somebody that looks like me. <laughs> Related to you? Quite possibly. No, an, not buying an it. An uncle. <laughs> I don't know. But anyways, as for final thoughts, I it was interesting to watch the two episodes back to back because of the both the first episodes of Romulan episodes of TOS and TNG. Um, so it's just interesting to see the kind of look for the differences between them and what was similar and how the I suppose how many years or twenty years difference how the Romulans had evolved as a a, a character species. So. Yeah, really interesting discussion and loads I didn't know. Um, So, yeah, thanks for that. Yeah, especially, as you said, watching Picard and how in the forefront Romulans are to that series. 
And then to see these two episodes and oh my gosh, I love what they're doing on Picard with the Romulans. Like I said, we're getting such a variety. They're living on planets. They themselves are becoming where they're becoming where it's Romulans only, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, and isolationist. Yeah, isolationist. Yes, thank you. And uh, and then, but then seeing them, you know, like you said, helping Picard, living there, living on planets. Some of them are in the Tal Shiar. Some of them are in the Jatvash. Um, they're still conniving because there's we're seeing them infiltrating Starfleet and the Federation. Uh, so we still have those aspects that were started so long ago on these two episodes. I love that both of the episodes are starting, the outposts are being destroyed. Like, I just, I love mm-hmm. that. That excites me. Um, and then to try and figure out what's happening and how are we going to address the scenario? Cause we can't lose any more outposts and they're losing outposts and, we're learning about their weapons and where are they and where have we come so far. So I think both of the episodes are really strong, minus the frozen people, um, <laughs> that talk to us about the Romulans and then seeing that throughout, I mean, all of the series and bleeding into Picard, I find very fascinating. Yeah, you can you can you, you see these two episodes and then you go to Picard and you see the Federation's resistance to help the Romulans after the Mars attack. And they really didn't, <coughs> they really didn't care about the Romulans and yeah. because of the way the Romulans had been with the Federation in the past. So you somewhat understand why they just wrote them off. Mm-hmm. Well, Tim, thank you for coming on Earl Grey and bringing a bit of original series to this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Tim, where can people listen to your podcast and find you out there what, on the wait, interwebs? Wait, Joe's not going to ask me about my ancestry as as a uh, oh a Scottish a, a Scottish. Oh, <gasps> you ask all your guests that. Oh, so insulted. it's because I'm not well. I'm just like uh, Joe's, no, yeah, well, a little under the weather. Well, I'll help you out here, Joe. Okay. I did twenty three and Me. And I've got, I don't know if you can see. Oh, it. Oh, is that the like ancestry dot com? Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. yeah. And it says I am. 37.4% British Irish from Glasgow. No way. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Right there. Wow. Yep. Oh. And and I'm, uh, what is it? 24% Scandinavian, 21% French German, and then 15% broadly Northern European. So, <laughs> okay, hey, bro. Everything you how want. you doing? Wow. <laughs> cool. Is your Scottish accent better than Amy's? My Scottish accent? Oh, that's just, it's just a wee bit better. Just this, it's really the same, and that means <laughs> really terrible. Sorry. Well, thank you. But, I do. I, I did go to Edinburgh a couple years ago and bought myself the family uh, kilt. So I do have. That. Okay, cool. Okay, but one yeah. a little point there. It's like Edinburgh. You don't say Edinburgh, but yeah, you don't. Say, you guys say like. There's an O sound. Well, because there's all those vowels at the end. Yeah. Like, we have to say them all. Hold on. Edinburgh. There's literally one vowel at the end. It's O U G H. No, it's not. It's B U R G H. There's a U at the end. Yeah. 
Edinburgh. Ah, uh, yeah. Edinburgh. Edinburgh. But there's no, there's no, it's not B O R O U G H. It's just B U R G H. Okay. Look up. E-D-I-N-B-U-R-G-H. Oh, okay. Yeah, why do we say that? Because you're Americans. <laughs> <laughs> so we say it right then. Sure, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. The greatest, uh, the greatest country in the world. You say it, everything well, right. Tim, I'm so glad that you made the Scottish connection for us here. Thank you. Yeah, Sorry I had to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Welcome. I, that's okay. That's okay. Up, upon thee I bestow... Honorary Scotthood until time immemorial. <laughs> yeah. Oh, thank you. All You're right. welcome. All right. Appreciate it. You'll get a crest in the post and a, right. a scepter. A, a scepter? I'm sure. I've always wanted a scepter. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll make one out of toilet roll tubes. Is it kind of like a lightsaber? Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'll put some LEDs in it. Cool. Be awesome. fun. Cool. All right, Tim, where can people find yes, you? Yes, they can and find me. And listen to your podcast. Yes. Because it I, really is a good podcast, guys. If you yeah, haven't it, listened, please do. If you have an astronomer in your life or you want to learn about what's going on in the night sky, uh, my podcast is called The Observer's Notebook. It is the official podcast of the Association of Lunar and Planetary Observers. It's an organization I've been a member of since the early 70s. Um, we do all things uh, observing within the solar system and well, I've actually had Aaron McDonald on my podcast as well. So had her on before you guys did. Yes. <laughs> and, we, and we talked actually science and Star Trek on that one as well. Um, but you can also find me. I'm hanging out at the Babel conference. You can find me there and I'm on Twitter at uh, Tim Robertson 56. Well, it's been so much fun talking about the Romulan neutral zone today, but it isn't the only thing we've been talking about here on the network. Here is what you might have missed elsewhere on Trek FM. Previously on Trek.fm. To the journey! If I were writing Voyager right now, like reconceiving it, I would make each season like a different decade, like show the progression of time over 70 years. See, we could have just done that with Kess as a character, though. I know I said it probably a million times in the last five episodes. Kess could have shown us what that would have been mm -hmm. within the seven-year period. So, you know, we all know my opinions on Kess and how much I liked the character. Earl Grey. Okay, Amy, your ice pick. <laughs> what is that number? <laughs> Amy to the nth power oh. pick. I. Yeah. I imagine I imagine it the square root of minus one. Negative one. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Yeah, Literary tricks. You know, there's all this backstory as you're starting to learn in the show about what happened um, between Nemesis and the Picard show. And, and so there was all this backstory. You couldn't really show it all in the show. Um, you don't want to. The show's about what's going on in the present time of the show. But, you know, Star Trek, since its origin, has always had um, ancillary materials that flesh out these stories. So, and we knew that would be the case here. The Line, a Star Trek Picard podcast. 99% of the time, Star Trek tech makes sense. This does not to me. Okay, okay, Christy, like... Star Trek has asked me to believe some pretty ludicrous things. <laughs> this takes yeah. the cake. Okay. I think so. All this right, we're on the same the page. Cake. This is completely... More, more than uh, going warp 10 turns you into lizard? More than lizard yeah. babies. <laughs> really? More than Spot turning into a baby lizard. This, I'm just like, what are you trying to feed me here? That's interesting, because I believe this a lot more than those other things. But... Yeah. I, Brandon Baga's evolution theories are much more believable than this. <laughs> no. 
they're really not. <laughs> but yeah. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. Check out all these shows and join the conversation about your favourite corner of the Star Trek universe and beyond. You'll find us wherever you get your podcasts. If you're an Apple user, be sure to hit the subscribe button in Apple Podcasts on iPhone, iPad or Apple TV or the desktop Apple Podcasts app to get the latest episodes as soon as they are published. And leave us a star rating and written review that helps others to find the show. If you're not an Apple user, we've got you covered as well. You can find our shows on Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Speaker, SoundCloud, YouTube, in most third-party apps, and you can stream and download the MP3 file from our website or grab that RSS link. We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's show, and there are many ways for you to do that. The best place to join in the larger conversation is the Babel Conference, our listeners group on Facebook. Just type Babel, B-A-B-E-L, into the search field on Facebook and it should come right up. If you'd like to send us an email, you can use the form on our website at trek.fm contact. Choose to send to a show and select Earl Grey. That will come right to us and we might read your email on the show like we did today. You can also find the network on Twitter and Instagram at TrekFM and on Facebook at facebook.com slash TrekFM. So Joe, where can people contact you when you're not designing the next wave of Romulan warbirds? Mm, that'd be a cool job. Like, I can't draw. I'm really bad at drawing things. So they might look a bit like a toddler's drawn them with a kind of a, a moldy old crayon. So when I'm not doing that, though, you can get me on the Babel conference or you can email me like people do all the time now, joepodcasts at gmail.com or you can tweet me on the Twitter at joeyjoe77uk. And Amy, where can people contact you when you're not destroying bases along the route Romulan neutral zone? Well, <laughs> when I'm not doing that, well, I'm making sure that there are star bases that are, are outposts that are empty, first of all. Really? I uh, don't want to. Okay. Yes. Sure. Whatever. We don't want to have casualties. Uh, you can find me over on UFP doing all good things with my good friend, Patrick Devlin. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Miss Amy Nelson, and you can find me right there in the Babel Conference. You're getting better at that. Remembering what you do. <laughs> I know. It's taken a few <laughs> weeks, but well done. You're nailing it. Thank you. Thank you. If you'd like to help us keep all our shows coming to you each week, you can become a patron of the network on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash trekfm, that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash trekfm to get all the details. Perks include early access to episodes, exclusive content, producer credits, and more available through our, through our special patrons website, The Patron Zone. It requires a great deal of money to produce, host, and distribute these shows each month. We really appreciate any support you can give us and hope you'll join the team. Again, you can find the details at patreon.com slash trekfm. We'd like to take this opportunity to recognize our current associate producers, Norman Lau, Michael Huter, Thomas Appel, Chris Trebuzio, Jim McMahon, Justin Ozer, and me, Joe Keegan. Thank you for supporting Trek FM and especially Earl Grey. So join us next time for another cup of Earl Grey. Come back later. You and me can find us a couple of low-mileage pit woofies and help them build a memory. 
great joy and gratitude. What was that from? The neutral zone. Sonny Clemens says it's the data. see you in Vegas this year because I'm not going. Yes, you are. Well, I keep on checking and the flight prices keep on increasing. Like, there's no let up. It's like four times more expensive than last year. No, i am got a plan in the works. Don't you worry. Okay. okay. I'm excited. Yes. <laughs> Well, sidebar, because I was on the uh, plane flying to Austin for my wine tasting. Tim, you've got to get to Austin. You've got to. You have to experience those wines. I've had Texas wine. Oh, my god! Tastes like hay. No, it does not. <laughs> I mean, why, good wine, good French wine smells like barnyard. Yeah, it's not supposed to taste like barnyard, though. Well, I was looking at my pictures from STLV the past two years, Joe, and I cannot imagine experiencing STLV without you two. Uh, like, we've... all my pictures are with you guys, and I, I have to see you and again, and you, but well, yeah. mostly you. And... Yeah, mostly. I know. Um, it's Because we keep on thinking about all the fun things we did, and it's, you compress yes. so many activities into 10 short days, and yeah, it's, I can't imagine not being there. I can't imagine the the FOMO that we will experience if we are not there and we're like, oh, everybody's in Vegas and we are yeah. here and it's raining again. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. okay. <clears throat> Have I got one? I've got, you got one? I've got all the Eagle Moss ships, so it'll be, but there's like 300 of them, so it'll be. You got them all? Yeah. Eesh. I know. We need a bigger house. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll be somewhere. Oh, there it is. Hold on, I'll get it. Okay. Listeners, stop listening. <laughs> 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 so you coming up for Chateau Picard? No. No, Amy. It's going to be so epic. Is Norm coming? I know you said. Uh, I don't know. Norm hasn't gotten back to me on it, but John and John and Rod are both coming. Yeah. With their new significant others. Oh, John has a significant other. Yeah. Well, he Good has a. Well, I, I think he's bringing Holly. Oh. So, they're friends. Oh, there it is. There is yeah. A, very cool. Yeah. And there is the, the Derridicks one. We'll edit this bit out because it's just us looking at yeah. toy mm -hmm. ships. So yeah, there you go. Okay. See, so yeah. I've got the the Enterprise version. Hold on, mm -hmm. I suppose it'll go that way, won't it? Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Okay. So I suppose if you turn that upside down, yeah, and put that on there. Yeah. yeah You've got something that kind of is starting to look a bit like that. Yeah. Then you just have to oh my put gosh. The, beak on. the beak on it. 
But then there's my other favorite one, the Valdor. Yes. Oh yeah. Which is just a, a really it looks s- like a Klingon bird of prey. Yeah, but it's just really cool and sleek looking. Yeah. When I mean, is that one? Nemesis. Okay. And yeah. Donatra turns up with two of them. Yes. And then gets blown yes. up very quickly. Anyways. Oh, I love Donatra. Oh, well, right. good. I really needed that visual to understand what you were saying. Cool. And now it makes sense. I can see the evolution. Very good. You'd think I was a starship designer, wouldn't you? Like the new John Eves. Yes. 